Trigger warning, there is dissertation talk in this episode. How do you preach when you're writing a dissertation? And why is talking about your dissertation such a conversation killer? What is big story preaching? And getting better at preaching by cutting content. Stranger Things and the Upside Down in Acts. We are in full-on geek mode exploring the secret sauce with Dean Bobar of Christ Pacific Church in Huntington Beach. Hey everyone, welcome to the podcast. This is The Teaching Pastor and I'm Craig Hill and I am here at Christ Pacific Church with Dean Bobar, who is the adult life minister. That's a pretty lofty title, Dean. Yeah, it's actually pretty nebulous. It has to do with the life of adults from 18 to 88. So the pastor of miscellaneous. Pretty much, yes. I've also heard it called the pastor of crapola, but um, I don't know if we should actually say that. (laughs) No, no, I don't think we should. Maybe we should edit it out. I I agree. No, miscellaneous. So you you do everything that the senior pastor doesn't want to do or... How does that? <laughs> well, we're we're in the middle of a transition now, so it's it, things are changing. Yeah. Um, it's not quite everything that he doesn't want me to do, doesn't want to do. Um, there's definitely some focal points, um, but yeah, it's uh, over. It's become kind of a catch-all. <laughs> All right. Well, anyway, so now that we've made everyone angry, yes. who knows you, yeah. who knows the church, that awesome, perfect. So, so Dean, how long have you been at Christ Pacific? I've been here for a little over 18 years. The first five years were doing uh, youth ministry as a youth intern, and I got to the end of that, and uh, we just discerned that I was called to adult ministry, and I nice. became the teaching assistant to the pastor, which sounds like I graded our senior pastor's... The TA, the pastor's TA. Uh, papers, yes, yeah. the senior pastor's TA. But it was actually really, I mean, it was really very focused on teaching mm-hmm. and the ministry related to that. Um, started doing a thing called Sacred Search, and it was a reformed version of community Bible study or Bible study fellowship. Uh-huh. And then over the years, it's morphed into more of a kind of an associate minister's uh, job. And over last past five years, we've had a lot of changes with staff coming on and going off. And so I've had some things go on my plate. Um, but moving into 2018, it's going to become a lot more uh, focused on what does it mean for our church to be focused on discipleship. Yeah. Now you guys are um, at Christ Pacific. You used to be Christ Presbyterian. Yes. And you are in the process of trans or you already transitioned yes, out of yeah. uh, PCUSA. Correct. To ECO. So tell me a little bit about that and what um, maybe some of the differences are or what ECO is. Yeah. Yeah. It was, I think about three years ago now uh, we transitioned and uh, PCUSA is still in turmoil. Um, you have some of the more um, liberal or progressive churches, and you have some more traditional evangelical and churches in there. And many evangelical-oriented churches discerned that their mission wasn't a fit with where the PCUSA as a whole was going nationally. Okay, so they went eco and kind of formed a new presbytery. Yeah, yeah. Um, a lot of a lot of the people who, the people in churches that started ECO were out of PCUSA. Okay. Um, and uh, ECO is Evangelical Covenant Order of Presbyterians. Okay. Sounds a lot cooler just to say ECO. It's ECO, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I love the, yeah, the, the uh, abbreviations are much nicer. Yeah. Yeah. And you are also a husband and father. Yes. Yeah. I've been married to Sarah for a little over eight years and we have uh, three wonderful children. 
six four and uh, almost two. All right, all right, and um, also, um, and this is like all of these things don't fit together because yeah. you're also a PhD candidate. Yes. At uh, what what institution? University of uh, Birmingham in England. Nice. Okay. So, yeah. and you're you are in the throes of dissertation writing. Right. And so are you in the fetal position? Like how many part, how many hours of the day? What's that? What is that like? It's about 12 to 15 hours a week, um, every week of the year, Mm -hmm. even when it's Christmas, I still have to have to work on that. Um, so about a third of the way done writing the dissertation and, uh, have a long ways to go still, uh, about potentially two, two to maybe three years left. Yeah. Now I always tell people, um, I'd ask you about your dissertation, but I always tell people, that you asked me about my dissertation and it's a real conversation killer. Yes. But so but <laughs> but your dissertation is on on a high level. On a high level I'm looking at how um, how the work of a theologian named Kevin Van Hooser his way of reading the Bible um, it's called theological hermeneutics it's being upfront about theology and reading the Bible in light of theology um, how certain aspects of his way of reading scripture and doing theology uh, can be applied to American evangelicals. Mm-hmm. And I'm yeah, I'm supplementing that. Uh, my original contribution is looking at how uh, how the whole canon of scripture imagines God imagines God being present with his people in the world and looking at different ways that 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 the scripture presents that imagination and how can that be used in the life of the church mm-hmm. for reading scripture together uh, personal devotional life and for preaching. Yeah, wow. And um, if you want a little primer on Van Hoosier's um, hermeneutic, where could you go for that? Uh, the the big one, the four hundred fifty pager, is yeah. the drama of doctrine. But okay. if you want to go to something that's a little bit more manageable, it's a faith speaking understanding. Okay. And it's a play off of you know, that old uh, adage, faith seeking understanding. Right. Right. And then I've actually I've, Van Hooser's chapter in Four Views on Moving from the Bible to Theology, um, in the Zondervan Counterpoint series, I think is a good primer as well. Absolutely. Um, and it'll put it in context to where how is he the same or different from maybe the tradition that our listeners are, are operating in. So Yeah, and, and I arrived at, at his work where I was reading scripture in a very particular way in light of the big story, the grand narrative of scripture, mm-hmm. and had some thoughts, and I came across his work, and it really put a theory to the practice that I was doing. Okay, okay. So let's talk about that. I mean, let's jump in. I mean, we've been, this is, <coughs> we are in full geek mode. We've yes. already talked about a PhD dissertation. I mean, we didn't even hit the, the, real, the real meat of that yet, yeah. but so let's talk about how that affects your when you get in the pulpit mm-hmm. what are you doing like what do you think about when you're when you're doing this like what are you accomplishing and um and how does van hooser's work and your work how does that play into that yeah it's there's a lot of interconnections there um if if you talk to people in our congregation who've been around for a while they <coughs> excuse me I'm getting over a little bit of a cold that's uh, all right um if you talk with them uh people have been here two to three years and if they've been to my classes or heard me preaching, they, they'll tell you I'm talking about the big story of Scripture all the time. Okay. Um, so the big story of Scripture. So yeah. how would you play that out for us? What is the yeah, big story so of Scripture? There seems to be, uh, I think, and many uh, scholars and commentators on Scripture and theologians seem to think that there's this grand narrative, this big story that connects all the books. And it finds its unity, I believe, in the good news of Jesus Christ. Okay. Uh, it's kind of the key that unlocks scripture, I like to say, yeah. where Jesus is the hero of the story. 
So reading the Old Testament as leading up to the good news and reading the New Testament unpacking the good news of Christ. Okay. Yeah, that's the big story. That's the big story. So what, what I've tried to develop, and I'm still tweaking it and developing it, is what I call big story preaching. Uh, it's reading and interpreting scripture in light of the big story and preaching in such a way that people are invited to uh, play their part in the big story. Oh, okay, that's really interesting. So it's kind of this incarnational sense yeah. of uh, find yourself in the story, what mm-hmm. role you have in the story, yeah. and embodying it as it goes out into the world. Right, right. Okay, so so you guys have been, um, all right, well, let's just, let's talk, you guys have been in Acts, and so I right. want to, I want to get to that, and we'll um, in terms of how that's, in, I would imagine embodying that. Um, yeah. But your your the, your Acts series, what did you call it? It was called Upside Down. Upside Down. Now I asked you <clears throat> if you brought in the Stranger Things, like the Upside Down, these kind of parallel worlds, but right. But not not exactly. No, <laughs> no. We, <laughs> I think we kind of threw that idea around initially, and uh, I don't think most of the congregation would have caught on to uh, that. Okay, yeah. Um, not, it, not as many Netflix bingers yeah, in yeah. the congregation. <coughs> and it, it's kind of a weird storyline to try to fit into. Yeah. I mean, I liked it. I th- I, it yeah. actually is, you think about the book of Acts as this kind of like, what if our world was underneath the book of Acts and we, right, were, right. we were just living in this alternate reality, but living out the same things with the same structures yeah. that might look a little different. That is a really fascinating concept. And then you add, you know, four precocious preteens yeah and you gotta laugh a minute, well you I could suppose. have peter james you know yeah. paul and and uh, philip in who there who would be 11 who would be uh 11 oh, in that? i mean that <sighs> that's a tough one I, yeah or who would uh paul probably yeah i mean yeah. judas could be who's the character that drives the trans am in the second yeah <laughs> although he's even, i i guess okay all right we're yeah. getting off track but but this is this is fantastic so so acts i mean acts seems to fit really well into that drama. Narratives yeah. probably really lend themselves absolutely to that kind of a drama of um, embodying the drama. Mm-hmm. Um, how does that work with like epistolatory? I mean, it just a little bit of like, are you, are you still trying, do you have to draw out the socio-historical background in order to create that narrative? Yeah. Yeah. The, the, the way, the way that I uh, try to approach interpreting scripture and preaching and teaching is rather than do this movement from here and now to back to there and then and then back to here and now is try to encompass both here and now and there and then in the big story okay so rather than rather than um do that kind of journey back and forth Mm -hmm. um try to say that there's this god who is active then and he's still active now, and he's been at work, and we can understand in terms of this story of redemption. Uh-huh. And that same God is still uh, have, has a people, and he's still at work in the world with uh-huh. and through them. So, it, so take flesh that out in a passage in Acts, um, maybe one that kind of stood out to you. Yeah, yeah. One of the passages, the, one of the very first one we did was the uh, Acts one one through eleven, uh, where, which focuses on Jesus. Um, preparing his his apostles for ministry, teaching them about the kingdom of God. Um, they're off track. They're wanting to know when the kingdoms can be restored right, to Israel. Right. But he says, no, I, uh, I've come to um, extend the kingdom, and you have a part in that. I will give you... You'll receive power. You'll receive power, and the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be witnesses uh, in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. So we said that story's still going because the gospel's still going out to the ends of the earth. So that same God 
who resurrected Jesus after he was crucified for our sins is exalted and he's still at the Father's right hand side. He's still sending out his spirit. So that story is continuing in our church story. Hmm. And so th- we, we started off saying that there's, there's three convictions about following Jesus, discipleship convictions. Uh, the story of Acts is our story. Uh, we participate in the mission of Jesus and God works through us uh, by the power of the Holy Spirit. Hmm. And so those were our guiding convictions. And we went through several key passages to mark the development of the story, showing how uh, the story of Acts is our story and how Jesus' mission is still going and how God's spirit is still active. So it wasn't quite a, like, it was expositional, Mm -hmm. but it wasn't kind of a a story by story, chapter by chapter approach. How did you guys approach that? I know, so you've got these three governing principles right. and convictions. And so how did you, like, what did that look like chronologically through Acts? We definitely took a chronological approach. Okay. And the way that we did it, we thought, what are what are the most significant themes and passages and turning points in the book of Acts? And how does that relate to where, where our church is yeah. at? Yeah. Okay. So what were the, like, how, what were your stops along the way, essentially? Uh, our stops along the way were... Um, like I said, the, the first chapter, right. uh, Pentecost. I'm sure, Pentecost. Uh, end of Acts 2, the passage about what church life is supposed to be about. Okay, Acts 2, so 42 all in to one accord. Right. Yeah. Um, uh, uh, Peter and John getting arrested in chapter 4. Okay. Um, uh, looked at the uh, scattering of the church and then Paul's conversion. Right. And from there, we just walked our way through some key passages okay. in Paul's missionary journeys. Okay. Was there anything... Um, uh, <coughs> Like what was was there anything that surprised you in Acts? Like looking at it fresh, looking at it, um, just something that kind of stood out or kind of knocked you back, or just one of those moments where you were like, "Oh my gosh!" Like this is this is awesome. Hmm. That's 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 a good question. <laughs> that's a hard one. Um, my mind's immersed right now. I think, in our for, current I think series, for me, yeah. and the reason I asked that yeah. is I was. Um, I had been doing a little bit of work in Acts, and the passage that has that really knocked me back was the Ethiopian eunuch. Mm. And um, you know, at, at first glance, you start to you're like, "This is it's so bizarre, like it's so removed from our world." Right. And even in God's story, like, where does this all fit? It mm-hmm. feels like it's a million miles away and a thousand, a couple thousand years away. Yeah. Um, but then you start seeing kind of the sovereignty of God in it, mm-hmm. and how you know this 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 eunuch who, um, ambiguous genitalia, right? right? Right. And, and now, and how he would have been an outsider, total outsider and completely essentially disqualified from identification with the people of God mm-hmm. because of his ambiguous genitalia, like, yeah. you know, whether it's Deuteronomy or not being able to be circumcised or whatever. And here in God's sovereignty, he places this Jewish man to run up alongside the chariot while the guy's reading the most central passage about the suffering, the the this kind of substitutionary suffering of Jesus right. on our behalf, he asks for an explanation. He goes up in this chariot. There's water there in the desert. Mm-hmm. He gets baptized. And then, you know, three chapters later in the book of Isaiah that he's reading in this Isaiah scroll, it talks about God has given the eunuchs this right, place. Right. And you've got this, I mean, this beautiful, this sovereignty of God where God has one of his people running after a person with ambiguous genitalia. And then I'm realizing, oh my gosh, 
this is like straight out of the 21st century. <laughs> it is, and, and actually, I'm, you're, you're reminding me, that's, that's one of the passages that I preached on. Wow. Yeah. Um, and one of the things that struck me was how much actually there is in terms of how, how you can disciple someone. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the metaphors I used is, is God calls us to come alongside other people in their journey. And he's literally journeying back home mm-hmm. uh, to Ethiopia. Um, Kush back then. Yeah. Um, and and we, we talked about coming alongside people right. in their journey and how God leads the way. And it might not be an angel, it might not be the Holy Spirit speaking right. to you audibly, but God's going to direct you. And if you are immersed in scripture, you can get people to the gospel. And that's that's one of the things that um, that we talked about is that God's spirit is at work in community to really showcase the gospel. Oh. And so we're, we really encouraged our church to... Uh, read scriptures with other people, that it's not just for me and God in my reading scripture. It's right. for us and God to engage with God's uh, word. A good community. I mean, that's the thing, like kind of in, maybe Presbyterians are better at this, but like, <laughs> radical reformation is like, it's you and your Bible and that's right. it. But there's been this major push to like, no, we need an, an interpretive community, a, mm-hmm. an, a kind of incarnational community like, yeah. to live this out together. And um, so that's a, that's a, that's a fantastic uh, application. Now, when you are, Reading Acts eight in the Ethiopian eunuch right. or the the Cushite mm-hmm. eunuch. I mean, way to yeah, go, yeah. way to bring <laughs> way to bring it home. I mean, that's you didn't mention Ethiops as burnt face, you know, yeah. the the yardstick for darkness of skin. But um, but the um, so how are you, how are you doing? I mean, you're a pastor. You're obviously trained. Where did you get your training, by the way? Uh, I got a BA in religion with an emphasis in biblical studies from uh, Vanguard. Okay. And I also have a master's of arts in religion with an emphasis in biblical studies. The second degree was pretty much a biblical studies degree. Okay. And uh, was that at Vanguard? That was also, also Vanguard, yeah. Okay. And original languages? Um, yeah, uh, primarily Greek, okay. um, uh, two and a half years, and just some interest stuff uh, to Hebrew. Yeah, just enough to be dangerous. Yes, in, in yeah. Both. I mean, that's how I feel. My Hebrew is not fresh, right? It's, yeah. Uh, um, and so what are you, I mean, what kind of, are you using Bible software? Is it, just, are you just like Greek New Testament and just like sight reading the <laughs> no, whole I, way through? I, I wish. Um, <laughs> I don't remember that much. Um, I'll, I'll do a, a read through from like greekbible.com, okay. which has some great resources. Yeah. Um, I would highly recommend that. Um, yeah. And, and we'll put we'll put a lot of these resources in the show notes. Oh, so that's that, awesome. Yeah. Okay. So as much as we talk about, we'll make sure those are in the show notes on our Very Patreon cool. page. Yeah. Yeah. So um, I I generally like to to read through the scripture several times before getting to commentaries, um, and I try to do this as a discipline. I I, I want to be tempted just go straight to the commentaries, try yeah. to get the preaching points, uh, but I try to go through the scripture on my own several yeah. times, ask some good questions. I mean, just do some basic inductive Bible study. Yeah. Uh, what am I seeing? How can I ask some good questions? What, what does this mean? Really camp in that for a while and then go, what does it mean to me? What does it mean to us as a church? Yeah. Yeah. And uh, That's such a great discipline of holding off on the commentaries, I think. And I tell my students this is um, then what you do is you take your observations and you test them against right. what, you, what has already been seen. And a lot of times it's just really... Um, it's really fascinating and and encouraging to be like, oh, I saw what that guy saw, or right, I saw right. what she saw. I already, or I didn't see that, and mm-hmm. I under like I get it, but um, yeah, sometimes you can be really encouraged, like, no, I saw that, like yeah. that was that was there, and I saw it, and I feel like, yeah, <coughs> all right, that's cool. Yeah, it is. It, it is a good thing. Um, I I think one of the 
one of the temptations or one of the difficulties is trying not to force a passage into a series mm -hmm. or to a preconceived idea of what a passage is about or yeah. what I'm supposed to be preaching on. Um, and one of the things I like to do is really get out a lot of stuff of what the passage could be saying mm -hmm. and then kind of trim, trim down things, yeah. you know, say, well, there's 10 really awesome things I could say. Mm -hmm. uh, let me go down to three. Yeah. So let's talk about that because that is a that's a great. Um, you stand at the crossroads. You can't put everything in there. Right. Right. You're, you're you're a PhD guy and you're writing a dissertation, and so the temptation is, well, I've got to put it all in. I've right. Right. Get it all in. So how how do you kill your darlings? Like how yeah. do you how do you cut how do you put it on the the cutting room floor? Like how what what's that process like? For you? Well, I I try to think of kind of think of the end goal of what kind of response am I trying to, are we aiming for? Um, do I believe that the, that our people need to be encouraged? Do they need to be challenged? Do they need to be taught? Do they need to be, uh, explore a mystery? Um, and I try to, try to see a story through the sermon. Um, what's, what kind of story am I trying to, where am I, where am I trying to lead people as I take them through the passage? And that generally provides some guidance. Um, I'll, I'll edit things down. So I'll go through several edits. Um, so what was it for Acts? Like what was, when you were thinking about your congregation, the horizon of your congregation, um, what was it as you're looking out at them and thinking, these people need what? Well, we, we as a church just got a brand new mission statement about six months ago uh, or so. It was rolled out. And over the summer, we talked about the first part of it, about cultivating a certain kind of, kind of community. Mm -hmm a vibrant community of faith, hope, and love. And so for the fall, we were focusing on the next part, that kind of community that follows Jesus into the world. Hmm. So we were, we were looking at what does it mean to follow Jesus into the world? And we thought, what's, what's a really good place in Scripture where, where we see people doing that? Yeah. Book of Acts. Totally, yeah. um, and so we were trying to uh, um, think of what does it mean to follow Jesus into the world? Uh, and... That was kind of the lens or the okay. grid that yeah. we that we used to try to draw out some significant. Which things. then, when you were thinking about response, that was driving. That yeah, that was driving a it. Lot we, of yeah, response. yeah. Okay, well, that's that's fantastic stuff. Um, so, um, so in terms of your um, uh, your prep uh, commentaries, what were what were helpful resources, secondary voices? Mm, yeah, for you when you were putting, you made your observations. You're thinking about your congregation. Um, what were some good uh, commentary, secondary resources for you in that? You know, I, I used to go to these, you know, one volume commentaries, let's say if we're going through Mark and I'd like, spend a lot of time just on one initially. Yeah. <coughs> Excuse me. Yeah. But what I found actually is that it's a lot more helpful just to go to several one volume okay. commentaries. Mm -hmm. um, uh, simply because a, a, a lot of, a lot of, what a passage will be about will be hit on in that in that way instead of spending two hours on um, you know on just one commentary yeah, and getting yeah. really technical and I'm working against my strengths here <laughs> or trying to manage my strengths yeah um, I, I could get too technical too precise hard to believe yeah <laughs> so believe. so in so I, I found that it was counterproductive to yeah. do that yeah. um, so I found it was better to do spend two hours and six one volume commentaries where go through a lot of things and they would hit on mostly the same things, but certain commentaries might hit on a particular theological angle or a particular critical uh -huh. vantage point on a passage. And so I have, uh, I have several ones. I have the Oxford Bible commentary. Okay. 
I'm looking around my office here. Eerdman's commentary on the whole Bible. So by a one volume, you mean a one volume on the whole whole, whole, whole Bible. Bible or whole New Testament? Yeah, yeah. But they might have a different thematic kind of right focal point. Take on that. Yeah, one one might be even more conservative or more okay. liberal, huh. and just gives me different vantage points on the text. So rather than like um, who, who is it? Like Fitzmyer in the um, like Luke anchor. Yeah. yeah. So rather than doing that or multiple of those, right. you're thinking these one volumes kind of give you a, kind of a higher level. Yeah, yeah. And and then if then if I feel like, no, it's not quite enough or I want to go deeper, mm-hmm. I'll go to some of those. Okay. I'll go to some of my resources that I have or go to uh, some of my coworkers and say, hey, I know you have a, a, a great two-volume commentary on the Gospel of Luke. Can I borrow that? Yeah. Um, but generally, I find that um, I, I don't go there. Mm-hmm. Um, and those seem to be enough. And then once I do that, once I have all the stuff, I'll then begin to, you know, highlight some key things. Yeah. You know, this is where I think the Lord's leading me to, yeah. to speak. Yeah. So talk a little bit more about <clears throat> managing your strengths. I yeah. mean, in the sense of um, <coughs> probably there are people that are listening that are that might be like you, might be like myself, that um, are pretty just either technical or deep into the scriptures, like deep rabbit trail, deep. Mm-hmm. like not yeah, like yeah. something that should never has any business getting into a sermon. And we're like, no, that's where I spent like five hours this week. You know, it was mm-hmm. awesome. Um, how do you resist that, that urge? Like what, what are the things that when you do kind of start to geek out a little too centrally yeah. on something that what helps you pull out of that nosedive or get back into the real world? Like what are the things that, that help you in that? What I've learned to ask myself is, what does our congregation need to hear? Not what excites me. That's that's part of it, and that's part of the process. Um, but that can't be the last set of questions. Got it. Um, because I think that hermeneutics and homiletics can blend into one another, and they should. Mm-hmm. They should be a connected, uh, um, two connected processes. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think they get confused sometimes mm-hmm. where... Uh, people think that they're writing a sermon and they're just camping on hermeneutics. Right. And they haven't yet made the shift to homiletics. Okay. Um, and I think homiletics, even you're still doing hermeneutics in the sense of uh, hermeneutics as... Um, interpreting. In, interpreting way, for application. Right, yeah. right. Interpreting for application. But then you've got to craft it. Yeah, then you've got to, then you've got to craft it. Craft it to deliver it. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Now, um, <clears throat> in your degree um, at Vanguard, <coughs> did you have a homiletics class? Or? Yeah, we had an intro to preaching and teaching. Yeah. Um, and that was it. There was one intro to preaching and teaching course, but um, excellent, excellent course. Um, really helped, helped me out. And actually, I went to a... Um, a uh, week-long um, a study leave hmm. where I was able to um, uh, use some money from study leave to go towards, and I got a discount on one. It's for business people and pastors. It's with a guy named Bill Butterworth. Oh. And it was great. You actually, it was a room of about 15, 20 people. And um, if you're a pastor, he said, bring your sermons and we'll videotape you, we'll critique you, we'll give you constructive feedback. And there was general teaching involved. And then there's pastor. There were also excuse me, uh, business type mm. people and just presentations, just presentations, people that that somehow publicly spoke for a living. Yeah. Um, so I learned a lot there as well. OK. Um, Do you he, remember what the name? I mean, Bill Butterworth. It was I think it was uh, communications intensive or right, something we'll, like that. We'll put that in the show. Yeah. Notes I, if you well. did a search online and yeah. I can maybe afterwards I can do yeah. a search and find oh, no, it, that's, too. That's, that's <clears throat> but sometimes just some general public speaking stuff where you could do an intensive. Yeah. 
uh, helps uh, helps to um, refine our craft. Right. Um, also, we have at our church a uh, former speech coach who worked in Washington D.C. for I think 15, 20 years. So okay. she's been helpful to further refine things. Yeah. So if you look pretty president, <laughs> if you look presidential, yeah, then uh, we'll know what, what that. Uh, yeah. If, if you see this this clear glass in front of me that I keep on looking yeah, at. Yeah. Yeah. And you don't point with a finger. You point with your knuckle. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> it's good stuff. It's yeah. Good yeah. stuff. Don't. I'm not going to knock it. That is a that's great technique. Yeah. So Dean, let me let me circle back around sure. to um, the idea of uh, making those decisions about what stays in, what mm-hmm. goes out, what um, which observations make it, which don't, and how does that relate maybe to what you're doing with your dissertation mm. and um, just the overall idea of God's the big story and, and yeah, yeah. One of the things I'm exploring with uh, my uh, my dissertation is what does it look like to participate in the drama of Scripture the uh, the drama of redemption. And a drama is different than a story in that uh, a story gets told, but a drama invites you to participate into. You're an actor in the drama. Mm-hmm. And so that's the way I'm aiming to preach is to invite people to take their place in the drama of redemption, huh. um, to correlate the church and God and the scriptures, kind yeah. of a, a triangle, if uh-huh. you will. Uh-huh. And how can, um, how can we be hearing God speaking to us through his word as his people? Huh. Wow, that is so. Um, so you're so. I mean, it sounds like you've got you've got a, this kind of recipe, the secret sauce of um, of what you're what you're trying to accomplish and how yeah. that plays in. Um, how does that? Okay, so let's just humanize this a little. Yeah. Bit. So yeah. Dean Bobar is um, when you are doing your study, are you in your office? Are you in a coffee shop? Um, are you listening to music? Like, what does that look like? Are you drinking? Are you drinking a hot beverage? Like what, yeah. what exactly? Usually, usually involves coffee or, or tea. Yeah. Um, working in my office. Okay. More often than not, sometimes in the in the evenings, I think better, so I'll work on it okay. there. Okay. Evenings, I, yeah. Um, have some classical music going on if I'm in, in my office, and uh, I'm I'm just trying to think through where where is our church at, and um, wh- what do they need to hear. And is this more, this is more after you've done the work in the test. Right, exactly. And yeah. now you've got, you have all this kind of, the shotgun of stuff. Right, right. And now you're thinking, okay, what goes in, what goes out? And what, how do we get from, from here to embodying this passage? Yeah, yeah. Um, and so it's just this kind of cauldron of cooking it up. Mm-hmm. Um, so what, what, one of the things that, that really, really um, gets me to cook, coalesce all that and make those decisions is I have to start the sermon huh. and it's just for me that's the biggest hurdle is starting the sermon like starting it on paper on or paper like vocalizing in, it? in in my mind okay. or on paper yeah. if it's a story that I think can can get it going yeah if it's uh an image if it's it might even be a game that I that I put the huh. congregation there I've done sometimes some random uh, a, a game show I did once you know just <laughs> it's a game show this morning here's a couple questions and had them just it can be any number of things. Um, the last time I preached, um, I introduced them to C.S. Lewis, uh, someone who led me to Christ yeah. uh, through his writings. Uh-huh. And so I introduced the idea of uh, different aspects of life point us to God. And this was uh, the Sunday after Thanksgiving. And I talked about how thanks, the act of Thanksgiving points us back to God. So mm-hmm. I talked about the good news of Thanksgiving. Yeah. And I went through uh, Psalm 100. Yeah. And I talked about the good news that there is a God. And good news, this God is good. And I, I 
related it from what we saw in the Old Testament having exegeted the passage to uh, the New Testament yeah. and what God has done through Christ. Yeah. Uh, it's so good. It's so, and it's great to, I mean, obviously you're doing this, um, you're doing this. And how often are you in the pulpit? Uh, it, it varies throughout the, the year. Um, usually one to two times a month. Okay. Um, this past year we've been in a time of transition where our senior okay. pastor's retiring. So sometimes it's been three to four times in a row, Okay. Uh, which that was a new thing yeah. uh, to just have four weeks in a row of preparing. And by the fourth week, I was just exhausted huh. um, because normally you have a little bit of a, a a break if you're kind of a, the second person of the pulpit right? Um, where you, you might have uh, some room to breathe and think about the next sermon. But yeah. when it just keeps on coming at you yeah. um, and you have still all your other responsibilities, yeah. it can get a little little bit difficult. It gives you a, the respect for those the, the people who are there week by week. Absolutely. By week by week. Yeah. Sunday is yeah. always coming. Yeah. And it is relentless. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um, so, so once I get the story started, mm-hmm. then I just start throwing things out. And um, I used to think in terms of kind of three, uh, three movements or three big points. Oh, yeah. And our new senior pastor, uh, Peter Little had encouraged me. He said, you know, what, Dean, I think you're a good preacher. I think you'd go to the next level if you could just cut down content and like, mm. drill down more deeply into, uh, into less stuff. And so I'll try to think of what are the three points and I'll get rid of one. Okay. Okay. And yeah. Um, so I'm, I'm practicing that and it's hard, uh, but I've, I'm finding that it, it works a little bit better. Huh. Uh, it gives a little more clarity in what I'm trying to say. Yeah. And um, I usually spend a lot, a lot of time in introduction. Mm. Uh, I really want to, uh, I, I, I remember reading, I think it was in Hatted Robinson's book about preaching. You have about 30 seconds to really get people. And so yeah. I really spent a lot of time on the intro. Um, within 30 seconds, you really got to get people just like that. Um, and then you want to, I want to spend some time exegeting where people are out in life and the uh, faith. Yeah. And then introduce them to the scripture passage. And I, tr- I, I try to give a, um, <coughs> excuse me, um, a preview of where we're going. Yeah. Uh, not to be too simplistic, but saying, here's the scripture passage. Here's how it speaks to what we've just been talking about. Yeah. And here's the two or three things we're, we're going to talk about. And, um, uh, we as a church have been trying to use PowerPoint more often. Oh yeah, and uh, try to have uh, some key scripture verses okay. or some key ideas. So you guys are projecting some stuff up. For yeah, it's not yeah. Just you, it's not just you and your words. I mean, right, that is, right. it's very difficult to hold people with mm-hmm. just your words. Um, but you're using more visual stuff. Yeah, yeah, and we're trying to use even at times uh, paintings or images in the background of our points to to mm. um, um, to reinforce what what we're talking about. So trying to use lots of different media um, in, in the broader sense of the yeah. word to really communicate. Now, now that you bring that up, because these are the sorts of things that like, I love the text of scripture. I love getting into the original languages. Mm-hmm. Um, I think if the, if the all of my job were finding illustrations, I probably would just curl up and shrivel up. Oh what, yeah, me too. What are the things, <laughs> what are the things that excite you about preparing and yeah. preaching? What are the things that kind of, ah, you know, Finding illustrations. I mean, it's just yeah. uh, sometimes I'll get to the end of a sermon and I'll be like, I have one story, <laughs> and it's just it's just fifteen minutes uh, in the middle of me just you know expositing script, scripture and <coughs> and trying to um, uh, trying to engage people with the scripture and and and, and I'll realize you know I need a story somewhere in there. I need yeah. an illustration. I need um, some sort of point of application in there. Um, so I try not to go for too long without. 
without that. Um, I use uh, my family experiences okay. a lot of or family of origin and also yeah. current family. Yeah. Uh, I try not to use it too much. Which is awesome for your wife, awesome for your parents when yeah. they're listening in. <laughs> exactly. Oh, yeah, yeah. That's what Dean thought of yeah. that. Yeah, sometimes my mom will, will be here at church to, to listen. They have a, a local home church, my my uh, my, my mother, my, my stepdad. But uh, when they're here, she'll sometimes say afterwards, it didn't happen that way. <laughs> they don't know that, Mom. <laughs> exactly. I say, they don't know that, and it worked for the sermon. <laughs> so I try not to ask her because sometimes it ruins the sermon. Right. <laughs> I remember this one. I remember this one. It works a lot better for what I'm trying to say. Exactly. Exactly. Um, but I also try to use, uh, you know, everyday experiences of life that yeah. people have, mm-hmm. uh, images, uh, trying to have uh, paintings. Um, I, I'm really trying to lean into the, the imagination, the human mm-hmm. imagination. Uh, often say, imagine yourself in the shoe of this character mm-hmm. or imagine this happening to you. And I'll say, we're going to spend 30 seconds just you doing that. Huh. And I'll invite people to close their eyes. So I try to have some experiential element, um, trying to do more of that. It's not my natural bent. Yeah. uh, But I find often it helps people connect with scripture, connect with theology, connect with some exhortation. Yeah. Um, It is the the richness of kind of painting that socio-historical background mm -hmm. and then saying, well, let's just imagine this for a second. Let's imagine um, someone walking up to Jerusalem or let's imagine... Uh, someone running after a chariot on mm-hmm. a desert road from Jerusalem yeah, to Gaza. Yeah. You know, what is that like? Or, cr- you know, going from the hot sun into the cool covered chariot or something. Mm-hmm. You know. Yeah, yeah. And uh, what does that look like? Like, what, is right. that, what does that mean? And um, imagining, <coughs> just uh, letting, and it seems like scripture invites us into It that. does. It's very image rich. Yeah. Scripture is very image rich. And I, I used to think, oh, I need to go find all these these illustrations, these stories, but sometimes it's just a matter of using analogies for what's already there. Right. Or finding uh, some story that uh, helps people relate to what's happening in the scriptures. Absolutely. Um, that's very similar. Yeah. Well, that's, uh, it is, uh, it's fantastic. And it's great. I'm so glad I was able to sit down with you, Dean, yeah. here in your office in the sanctuary of, <laughs> of, uh, of where it all happens, where it takes place. But, uh, so thanks so much for being on the podcast. Oh, and, you're um, welcome. Thanks if anybody wanted me. to listen to a Dean Bobar sermon, where could they go? Well, they would go to uh, www.cpchb.org. And I believe it's on the website. It says uh, sermons. Mm-hmm. Uh, it might be in a drop down menu. And um, uh, you go there and we have about six to eight of the most recent ones. Okay. And uh, you just look for my name and click on there. Yeah. And uh, you can find find them there. Yeah, well, we'll put it in the show notes. But thanks so much for being on. This was fantastic. Thanks for having me. It's great to, great to see what's going on and to share your pain of dissertation yeah. writing. I mean, it is, <laughs> Absolutely. It's a great, it's it's a club, you know. Yeah, a very painful club. A very painful. It's Fight Club? Is it it's, Fight it's Club? It's kind of like Fight Club. Yeah. You show your scars. It's, yeah. It's fantastic. Yeah. And, you know, you you, you, sh- you pay for the, the marital counseling. You know, yeah. you show the receipts and you're allowed in. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but thanks so much. Uh, and uh, if you want to catch us, you can see us on our Patreon page. Um, but we will catch you guys on the next podcast. If you would like to listen to any of Dean's messages, you can go to the show notes where there is a link to Christ Pacific Church of Huntington Beach. There's also some links to some of the things we talked about in this episode, like GreekBible.com, Vanguard University or any of the Bill Butterworth seminars. So hope you enjoyed this. Uh, one of the things you can do for our podcast is if you're enjoying this and you're learning, um, if you can go to iTunes and subscribe, that would be fantastic. Also, um, 
rate the podcast, leave a review. That would be very good to get our, um, our profile up there. Uh, another thing you could do is you could visit our Patreon page and you could give a dollar a month or $5 a month to support the podcast. Um, love what we're doing here and having some great conversations. So hope you are learning. Hope this is a gateway to more learning and hope this is an encouragement to you. This is what we want to do is we want to encourage pastors, anyone who is teaching the Bible, we want to encourage you to be in the text and to be thinking intentionally about how you're getting from text to message. So we'll see you guys next time. 